Hello and welcome to the latest show in our little look at the coronation and particularly the Republican aspects of the coronation. What, we've done three, is it, or four, I think, now? This will be the fourth in the sort of series. We reported from a Radical Independence campaign planning meeting. Yep. We went to a panel discussion about that was Scotland. Great. That, was that was great. That was over Edinburgh. Really you'll get, enjoyed that. You'll get those on our YouTube channel and on our podcast, if you've missed it, or our website, scottishindipod.scot, and there's probably a blog as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then our Mibby's Eye for me, that's called Coronation Day Indie March, and that's mostly footage that uh, you and I took on the Glasgow Independence March. Our attempts at an external podcast recording as well. Yes, we were doing outside broadcasting in the pouring rain in a tent. (laughs) So you can imagine what the sound levels for that were. And this is the fourth then in the series. At the same time as we were in Glasgow at the march, on Carlton Hill in Edinburgh, there was a demonstration organised by Our Republic. And it was a series of speeches. So we've collected the best ones and we've put them together as a little standalone episode so you don't miss them. The speakers are Tommy Shepherd from the SNP, Maggie Chapman from the Greens, Connor Beaton, who's from the Radical Independence campaign. He also reads out the Declaration of Carlton Hill, which is interesting, and they've had thousands of signatures for that. Graham Campbell, who's SNP socialist group, Um, independent Edinburgh councillor Ross McKenzie, again, very interesting. And my favourite of all of them, I have to say, a first-time speaker whose name is Melina Chakrabarty, and she just gives a wonderfully passionate speech. And for a first-time speaker, I think we'll see more from her. So, hope you enjoy this. First, an introduction from Our Republic. It has never been clearer to me that the days of the monarchy in Scotland are numbered. We see titles and earlships being passed around like presents. Prince Andrew was made Earl of Inverness on his wedding day. He has no interest in Inverness at all. And the same could be said of Prince Edward. Who is this stranger to now claim that he is the Duke of Edinburgh? The monarchy is incapable of modernising. The monarchy, for years, hasn't been able to change and this new king won't bring about anything. It's an archaic system that belongs in the past. And Scotland both deserves and demands an elected head of state that is accountable to the people. So we've done this throughout our history. From the declaration of our growth in 1320 to the claim of right in the late 1600s to the renewal of that claim of right 34 years ago as civic and political leaders across Scotland uh, renewed it. Our political tradition in Scotland is based on a mandate that is given by the people. It's the monarchy that is leaving that tradition behind, and so it is on all of us to leave them behind with it. The monarchy don't see the people as citizens to lead. They see them as subjects to rule. 160 laws That is the number of laws that the royals have used their privilege to be exempt from. We deserve better than this. All of Scotland does. They don't believe in equality under law. They believe the law only applies to people who sit beneath them. 
That's why I joined Our Republic, who are hosting this rally today. Our Republic is a campaign that champions and gives voice to the simple notion that Scotland should have a fully functional elected head of state who is accountable to the people and who can represent Scotland and our democracy. And the next speaker is Tommy Shepherd. You're looking good, Edinburgh. Nine months ago, we were here on this hill to celebrate, if that's the right word, the uh, 70th anniversary of Her Late Majesty's reign on the throne at the Jubilee. And there were about 100 to 150 of us at that time. And today, there's already 10 times that number here today. And I think when you contrast that with the pictures we've seen of what's been happening in Princess Street Gardens, I think we know which of these events speak for the majority of people in this city and in this country, and it is us. But I want to begin not in Scotland, but in London. Many of the people here, I can see some well-kept faces around, share my ambition for Scotland to become a self-governing country. But understand this, we want to become independent, not to separate ourselves from anyone, but to have the political capacity to play our role on these islands and in this country. And therefore, the first thing I would like to do from this rally today is for us to send a message of solidarity to those brave protesters who were arrested and detained and prevented from making a political, peaceful protest on the streets of London. I know, I know and work with Graham Smith and his colleagues in the Republic organization and I can testify that they are people of integrity and that they had no intent whatsoever to engage in any violent disruption but wanted to make a peaceful democratic protest. The fact that they have been prevented from doing so should shame everyone in the British government. The truth is that even in England, a Republican point of view is shared by up to a third of the population. It is not an outrageous minority pursuit. It is a mainstream opinion in the land of Thomas Paine and many other reformers. And it is therefore, it is ridiculous that these people who are the dissidents of today in the United Kingdom are now being treated by our government in the same way that the Russian government treats the dissidents in Moscow. And you cannot have it both ways. You cannot condemn that repression and intimidation and thwarting of democratic protests in Russia and say that it's okay to do it on the streets of London. It is not, and our solidarity goes with them. The next, the next thing to say is just to be clear that we represent mainstream opinion in this country. The recent polls that have come out show that amongst the Scottish population as a whole, opinion is pretty much even between those who want to abolish the monarchy and those who want it to continue. But if you look at the opinion of people under 35, there is a clear and compelling majority against the monarchy and for an elected head of state. That is the coming view. That is what we represent and we should do it proudly. Now people sometimes say to me when I go on about 
the lavish excesses, the wasteful expenditure of the monarchy, that I'm just jealous of our class system. That, you know, I'm, we're motivated by jealousy. We are not motivated by jealousy. We are motivated by a desire for justice. We think that that inequality is wrong. We think it is wrong to have a system based in the feudal hierarchies of medieval times that governs how we conduct ourselves in the 21st century. And we think it is wrong and distasteful for that amount of money to be spent with their gold orbs and gold chariots celebrating an unelected hierarchy when at the same time millions of his subjects cannot afford to pay their bills and their children go to bed hungry at night. What sort of kingdom is that? And they go on and they say, oh, they bring in lots of money into the economy. Think of all of the people who come to visit the royal castles and the royal sites. Yes, a lot of people come to visit Windsor Castle, Buckingham Palace, well, the few rooms that they're allowed into. Yes, they come to see those things, but they come to appreciate the architecture, the history, the cultural position, to look at the buildings. They don't come to celebrate the occupants of those buildings. And it's worth noting, it's worth noting, that the most visited royal palace in the whole of the world is the Palace of Versailles in France. And it's been a long time since there was a royal in residence there. So I'm very proud and pleased and privileged to speak at this rally today and to be one of a, a number of speakers that are going to come up to you. I say to you this, that we are going to later be reading out the Declaration of Caltena Hill. Some of you will have seen it already published in the press. More than 3,000 people have signed this declaration. And it's a declaration that says we want to have the political power to elect our own leaders and hold them to account, but we want to do that for a reason. It's not power for power's sake. It's power to change our lives, to change our world, so that the richness of this wonderful country in which we live becomes a common treasury for all of the people and is not expropriated by the rich and by international corporations. It expresses a desire for an inclusive country where everyone is respected, for a democratic country where we get the right to make the rules by which we are governed and to remove those who are responsible for them. And for an equal country where people share what we have and where nobody goes to bed hungry. Nobody sits wondering how they pay their electricity bill while they look at the wind turbines out their own window, which is generating that electricity in the first place and making obscene profits for the generating companies. That is the type of Scotland we would like to have. And we need to say, even though there will be people not yet convinced of this argument, there will be people who will be happy and content to accept an independent Scotland within the Commonwealth with the King as a head of state, and I will work with them on the road to our independence. But I say this, the compelling logic at the end of the day is that if we take the power to control our own country and to build a new country and play a role in this world which is progressive and ambitious, then it makes no sense 
to retain a feudal hierarchy at the top of that constitution. So therefore, therefore, ultimately, while the two things don't completely overlap, the campaign for an independent Scotland and the campaign for a Scottish Republic will eventually become the same thing. And I am so pleased today at the size of this rally, the confidence of this rally, I'm pleased that actually throughout this city, this weekend's coronation has been something of a damp squib. I have not seen any union jackery flying from the houses. I have not seen any manifestation of this. So we are the majority and we must take confidence now. We must take confidence in our own ability to change and our own ability to win this argument. Today, the day of the coronation of King Charles III, is peak royalty. It gets harder for them as every day progresses and as every day progresses more and more people will come to our point of view and see the compelling and rational arguments that we are making. So take heart. Remember to tell your children where you were on the 6th of May 2023 because this is the start of something really big and I look forward to going on that journey with you. Now it's Maggie Chapman. It's a great pleasure to be here today in Scotland's capital city and what I hope will soon be the capital city of an independent socialist republic of Scotland. I bring you greetings from Dundee. I was at their May Day march and celebrations this morning and we were unequivocal on the streets of Dundee that the power of the people should rest with the people not with the pomp and pageantry that is happening in London just now. And I think it is important to note that there are May Day celebrations happening across Scotland today. Because May Day, of course, represents the power of people. The power of workers to take control. The power of workers to win rights for themselves for their families and for their colleagues and comrades at work. That is why we are able to be here on a Saturday. Trade unions and workers gave us the weekend. And so as we remember May Day, celebrated in Scotland this weekend and last weekend, I think we bring with us solidarity and unity from workers across the country. Because our struggle today is one that shares many common elements of the struggle that workers have, have been through. A struggle often in direct conflict with the forces behind inherited wealth and inherited privilege. Struggles in a conflict against that pomp, pageantry and power on display down south. So I want to say unequivocally and very, very clearly Charles is not my king. He will never be my king. The monarchy exists in large part to make people feel that wealth is only available to those who are elite, those who are born into it. A few of us may get some if we're lucky and play by the rules and work hard enough. But that is not the message that we are sending to our colleagues and comrades across Scotland today. 
We are saying that wealth is for all. It should be and must be shared. I am a Republican. I am a proud Republican and I am a Democrat and a proud Democrat. I believe that we should elect our leaders. Leaders should not come from positions of power and privilege and wealth only. Leaders cannot and must not be born into it. Leaders should make that decision to choose and should then be held accountable, responsible to those who elect them to serve them. Hereditary titles, King, Queen, Lord, Earl, have no place, no place at all in a democracy, never mind a 21st century democracy. We do want power. We do want power. But we want it for everyone. We want to empower our neighbourhoods. We want to empower our communities. We want to empower the workers, those who live next to us, those who we go shopping with, those who we play with. We want to empower everyone in Scotland, not just those who have million of, millions worth of jewels resting on their heads. And when I say we want power for everybody, I include those who currently are at risk of having their lives torn apart because of the excesses of this cruel and racist British state. Everybody who wants to live in Scotland, who chooses to make Scotland their home, is welcome here. Refugees are welcome here. It is only by standing up for these principles, for the principles that we all share, for the principles that stand against the elite, against power for the powerful, against power just because you happen to be born into it. That is what we will get if we stand together for a democratic, socialist, republican Scotland. I want to end with a quote from a republican who I'm sure many of you will be familiar with, James Connolly. He wrote this on a previous king. We will not blame him for the crimes of his ancestors if he relents the royal rights of his ancestors. But as long as he claims their rights by virtue of descent, then by virtue of descent, he must shoulder the responsibilities of his crimes and their crimes. And one last thing. I am sure, like many of you, as I was making my way up Carlton Hill today, I could hear the sounds coming from Hibs, just on Easter, Easter Road. And I'm pretty sure they were singing, you can shove your coronation up your ass." Thank you very much. Now, Connor Beaton from Rick. Well, this is fantastic. It feels like a lot of people here are getting the chance to say things that maybe they weren't, didn't feel they were allowed to say or didn't feel comfortable saying. Um, but I feel like we've been here before. 19 years ago, I was here, exactly here, uh, for a Republican rally on the day that Queen Elizabeth attended the official opening of the Scottish Parliament. And there was a huge amount of radical energy around at that time. Um, the hope that many people had felt when Labour came to power in 97 
and when the Scottish Parliament was established in 99 had been completely extinguished following the invasion of Iraq and the realisation that Tony Blair and Gordon Brown were intent on continuing much of Thatcher's neoliberal agenda. But uh, over this might be a less popular message. Over the following decade, that radical energy was sucked into a mainstream independence movement that became increasingly nervous about challenging the British state head on. Republicanism was the first victim of Huish for Indy. Um, and staying Huish didn't work. Um, and it didn't work in Corbyn's Labour either, when accommodations there were made with the British state in order to make the prospect of a socialist government more palatable to the middle class. It was a waste of time. The British state just steamrolled over it. And it might be taking a wee bit longer, but they're increasingly confident that they can steamroll over the independence movement in the coming years. So that bit's all a bit depressing, but I think there is a lot of hope, not just from the number of people here, but I take a lot of hope from the fact that younger generations are a lot more radical than my generation. They're not going to wish for anything, whether it's calling out bigotry, standing up to landlords, or demanding better wages and conditions. So obviously, they're going to call out the absurdity of the monarchy, which exists as a powerful symbol of the hereditary wealth and power that is keeping them down, that is keeping all working class people down. And I also took some hope this week from the City of Edinburgh Council, um, which is not a place that often fills me with hope. Um, but on Thursday, uh, the Green Group brought a motion to full council which stated that the only legitimate representation of the people of Edinburgh is which is that which is democratic and accountable to them. And that therefore, the title of the Duke of Edinburgh should hold no official status in the city and should be considered an illegitimate title. Not, not my words, and thanks to Councillor Ben Parker, who's here today, and Councillor Alice Mumford for bringing that motion to Council, because they took quite a lot of flack for it, and some of it was quite personal. And thanks also uh, to the SNP group in the Council for supporting it in full, and that, that is a younger, more radical SNP group than we've had in the past in Edinburgh Council, and many of them are here today. Now, the motion was defeated narrowly simply because Republicans in the Labour Party and Republicans in the Democratic Party were whipped to oppose it. But there was no doubt on Thursday that there is a Republican majority in Edinburgh Council, just as I suspect there's a Republican majority down at Holyrood. It's just not quite spoken. Um, and there's a huge ma Republican majority, as Tommy Shepherd was pointing out earlier, among our young people. Um, so I think. The fair conclusion to that is that the monarchy is toast, it's going, it's inevitable, it's finished, and most of us will live to see it gone. The big challenge we have is to make sure that the rest of the ruling class is brought down with it. This is Councillor Graham Campbell. Right, um, I'm here on behalf of SNP Socialists and I'm a member of the National Executive of the Scottish National Party and I can't say I speak for that body but I can say I speak for a significant minority of members of it who want a democratic, radical, independent liberation. And as we say in the Black Lives Matter movement, as we say in the Black Lives Matter movement, when black people rise, when other oppressed minorities rise, we all rise because together we are the majority of Scots. Take that. 
And why is it important? Because I have the experience of Canada in 1995, Quebec's sovereignty referendum. And I can tell you, one of the key things I took away from living in Canada at that time was that the failure of the independent and sovereigntists to appeal to the minorities, particularly the ethnic minorities in Quebec, was the difference between them winning and losing their referendum. They lost by half a percent, a few thousand. The Anglo-Canadians made a big song and dance about how anti-racist they were and how nationalist and exceptionalist and you know, ethnocentric the Quebec sovereigntists were. The Quebec sovereigntists failed to get their progressive social message across. Now I'm very glad to say that here in Scotland we're a bit different. We learned a bit from that. We have a broad, inclusive, democratic, radical, transforming movement for socialist independence. And that's represented right here on this hill. And all parts of that movement are crucial to it. I don't see how anybody can say that they are going to attack the Greens for being for the GRR or the SNP for being uh, challenging the court decisions that defy the rules of the Scottish Parliament, the elected votes of those people represented. If you can attack those and think that that somehow helps the cause of independence, then you're, you really are living in cloud cuckoo land. You have to defend the movements that support the thing you say you stand for. If you want independence in Scotland, you have to support the radical transformative movements, all strands of it. And I say shout out to our anarchist friends on the hill because they're saying some things that we want to hear. Because unless capitalism is radically tackled and transformed, we will not be able to save this planet. That's a given. We cannot allow capitalism to continue as normal with fossil fuel destruction and imposed poverty and inequality. The monarchy absolutely represents that. We all know that. It's Councillor Ross McKenzie. Um, I've come here from Dundee today. Dundee is a city with a fine radical history. It is the city that gave us the likes of George Mealmaker, who worked closely with some of Scotland's democratic martyrs who are remembered here on Colton Hill and uh, ultimately they were transported to Australia. Hopefully none of us will be. But I think we see echoes of that historic repression in the way that today Republicans have been arrested in London and Oxford and other places. And we could see that the, the, this wasn't a surprise. The Metropolitan Police said they would do it and they announced yesterday that they would not allow anyone to undermine this celebration. To which I have to ask, what are we meant to be celebrating? We're celebrating a country where last year three million people relied on food parcels from food banks. In the last year, 670,000 people used a food bank for the first time. It's a country in which wages have not risen in 15 years. And we found out now that workers are £11,000 a year less well off than they would have been otherwise. We've got the highest rate of inflation in any Western European country. This is a failed state. And Charles's coronation represents the absolute lack of democracy here. We need something quite different. And I consider it myself as an enormous privilege that today I get to read a document that I think some of you are already familiar with. It's called the Declaration of Colton Hill. And it's the latest in a series of documents by that name. And it says here, We, the undersigned, declare our support for an independent Scottish Republic built on the inalienable principles of liberty, equality, diversity and solidarity. We hold that this objective requires the dissolution of the UK state, 
which connects and subjugates Scotland to its hierarchical and anti-democratic institutions, and the creation of an elected Scottish government with full control of Scotland's national resources and revenues. We hold that sovereignty rests with the people and vow to resist those who wish to deny us the right to govern ourselves as we see fit. Self-determination is a fundamental right of the people of Scotland and not a privilege to be granted by the Crown. We advocate a written constitution guaranteeing the right of each of us to freely vote, speak and assemble, the right to privacy and protection and access to information on all our government does in our name. We demand the power to refuse to send our citizens to unjust wars in other lands, to banish nuclear weapons of mass destruction from our land, to control the use of property or land by individuals, corporations or governments from out with Scotland's borders, to provide sanctuary in our country for those fleeing war, famine and persecution, to protect the natural ecology of Scotland, including our soil, seas and rivers, and ensure it benefits all people in perpetuity, and to build a more equal society, free of poverty, through the redistribution of our vast wealth. We oppose discrimination of any kind against any of our citizens and strive for each to fulfil their potential. We are a national civic movement which celebrates our diversity and resists national chauvinism, imperialism and racism. Our Scottish Republic will allow each of us dignity and self-respect free from exploitation, assuming the responsibilities of free persons. Our Scottish Republic will be a bridge to the world, forging alliances as an equal partner with peoples across the globe to confront challenges faced by humanity. And we vow to continue the struggle for a free, democratic Scottish Republic until these objectives are won. That declaration has now been signed by over 3,000 people in the weeks since it was launched, and I invite all of you who have not yet put your names to it to sign it at coltonhill.scot. My name is Malini Chakraborty and I'm a decoloniser, a change maker and an artist. And I work in museums, educational institutions and hospitals to make sure that I can improve access to medical care and make it more equitable and inclusive. But I think it's a very important question to ask ourselves today. What does decolonization mean? Well, I have heard it put as such. Diversity asks, who is at the table? Equity responds, who is not at the table? And what barriers did they face to get at the table? Inclusion asks, whether everybody's ideas are going to be heard. While justice asks, will their ideas be taken seriously if they are not part of the majority? Now these are the four pillars, but all of them have one key aspect whiteness and class. Decolonization is about asking who built the table, why was it built and who is being excluded from that table. Decolonization is about recognizing the legacies of colonialism and institutions of imperial power and how they have shaped our society. Decolonization is working to dismantle these systems that perpetuate inequality, recognizing and working so that we can 
improve the very fabric and core of our society. And it's a shame that this has been continued for so long that we are here in the 21st century having this discussion to begin with. In doing so, in the decolonization work, you must acknowledge the harm that has been done to indigenous communities, to people of color, to many more marginalized groups throughout history. And it means acknowledging the role of colonialism and institutions of imperial power, of which, of course, the monarchy is the one notable pillar that had a huge impact in shaping the reality as we see today. Now, we must move forward from this. Now, we live in a world that's becoming increasingly, increasingly globalized, polarized and unequal. The right to democracy is the right to freedom for the people and an investment for the future. If we are going to go, if we have a future in the world stage, in the United Nations, in the world stage as Scotland. You know, on days like today, when we glorify colonizers, monarchy, when we glorify these colonizers, we fail to acknowledge the harm they did and the disrespect they caused to all the people they have harmed and disenfranchised. Now, as an Indian woman, I am accurately aware of the harm that was done by the British Empire. I grew up in Calcutta, which was the British capital during the empire. Now, all of the atrocities that have been done were done in the name of the king and the queen and the country. And this is like 18th century and 19th century. This, I still can't believe this 21st century. The empire was built on the backs of millions of people who looked like me. And the wealth was st wealth stolen from India alone amounts to 45 trillion pounds. Not to mention the genocide which you can't put a price tag on. Before British rule, undivided India had a global GDP of 24%. 300 years later, that was reduced to 0.3. Now, 76 years later, though some recovery has been made, we still feel the effects of it in our daily lives, in politics, international relations, even in the power of our passports. Now, much of this is about the past. And of course, we must acknowledge the ugly in the history that unfortunately is influencing the present. But let's not forget, all of us are here because we believe in the future. And my focus and my decolonization work is about the future because trust me, as devastating as it is and as stupid as I sound, I'm an optimist. Um, now, I work to forge a world that is based on justice and equality where human rights is at the forefront of all of our actions and decisions. And I think it's essential to create a society that is fair and just for all. But to achieve this, we start not only decolonizing the systems, but we start with us. We need to decolonize our minds. And what do I mean by decolonizing our minds? You see, the colonial mindset is based on individualism, where one's interests take priority over anybody else's. It's absolutely devoid of empathy. And it views nature and people as mere commodities to be owned and exploited for personal gain. And this kind of narrow-mindedness has led to destruction of natural resources and oppression of many communities worldwide. We must move beyond this perspective and adopt a different mindset, the decolonized mindset, which is community-led, community-focused, conscious, and the heart of it is empathy.
We have to recognize, guys, that we are all connected. We have to recognize the interconnected between all things. This means that we are part of nature, and our actions have significant impact on not just nature, but ourselves, like on, on people. It's one planet, guys. You know, when I say namaste, right, it's a very common Hindu greeting. It means that my soul recognizes your soul, and I respect you. You've not done anything to deserve that. That's... That's just radical indigenous hospitality. We need to make that normal. We must make empathy normal. Now the very belief that one is born superior to another is the root cause of discrimination and it's a curse to the spirit of humanity. The future of Scotland is humane. The future of Scotland is global. We can't go on the world stage while we don't even treat the global majority or any person of color or pre-colonized countries with disrespect. We, we have our spine strong enough to acknowledge what the history was because we are honest people. Now, we must prioritize empathy and actively seek to place ourselves in other people's shoes if we want to have a future. By doing so, we can break down the barriers and create a more inclusive and fair society. Now, I'm very grateful um, to be invited and listened to today. This is obviously a first, and um, I hope my words have emphasized just how crucial conversations like these are. I am the ancestor of the father of neo-humanism, Emin Roy, Harindranath Bhattacharya, who was imprisoned for eight years for fighting against British rule. <laughs> under charges of conspiring to deprive the emperor of sovereignty in India, now I have inherited a legacy of justice and equality and I want to end with a quote from a friend of my ancestors, Mahatma Gandhi, who said, the true measure of any society can be found in how it, how it treats its most vulnerable members. Let us consider these words in the light of this coronation taking place in a country where for the past three years, 14.4 million people live in poverty, 4.3 million children live in poverty. Let's say, let's join hands together and say, that is not my king. <laughs> Namaste. I'm pleased we've got all these together and for people to listen to because I think you know even for those of us who are not yet convinced Republicans it's just interesting to hear a different take on how Britain and, and Scotland in particular could be set up yeah maybe it's still not going to convince a majority of people but it's worthwhile thinking about you know we've got a monarchy but even could that monarchy be different and be run differently so I, yeah. I think it's worthwhile having having these and having a listen Tommy Shepard's speech in this collection has some stats on attitudes and they're actually quite surprising just how prevalent that view is. Yeah. <laughs> onward to the revolution. <laughs> yep, onward to the revolution. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope that you're all fired up now and if not, at least got things to think about. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next Friday with another podcast from Scottish Independence Podcasts. So we'll catch you later. Bye now. Bye.